Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name and allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights unreachable to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies of forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service to your divine arms. Guide them with your uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
Итак, прежде чем мы с вами вновь начнем исследовать наше наследие во Христе Иисусе и погружаться в глубины божественной премудрости, And be immersed in the death of God's wisdom, the unchanging epigraph to the word of God is in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so for us, as partakers of the body of Christ, to partake with Christ in all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and what we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside to be clothed in a new way of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. For the fulfillment of this commandment there are three basic commands and verbs. This is to set aside to renew and to clothe. We have noted that answering these fateful questions will affect whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? Because of this, our names would forever be blotted out of the Book of Life. Although at a certain point they were written there. In a certain format, we have already examined the first two questions and have stopped to study the next question. What conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed thinking we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who is created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth? In regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is the weapon of prayer or worship in spirit and truth, because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. Considering the fact that the strongest kind of prayer is a continual prayer that does not depart from its goal until it receives what it asks for, then together we begin to study the format of a continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was a format of continual prayer before God. The power of this kind of prayer was intended to represent the unlimited power of God over mankind in the time and limits established by Him. Because of this, we arrived at the need to study what purpose is God pursuing when He calls His children to become warriors of prayer? as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of his inheritance in God. According to revelations from Scripture, our prayer and the quality of warriors of prayer yielded by the virtues of the twelve stones is supposed to be first unceasing or continual, then perseverant, diligent, with boldness, reverential, with showing faith to God, 
with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, or by prayer and tongues. In previous sermons, in a certain format, we have already looked at the eight signs of a continual prayer that define the state of the heart of a warrior of prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer. And so we have stopped to study the ninth component of a continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in prayer, or a prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But before, I will again remind you of the antonyms of the components of prayer that we have already studied, because looking at the antonym will make it easier for us to see the character and property of the component of prayer itself. The antonym of unceasingness is unfaithfulness or not continual. The antonym of diligence is resistance. The antonym of perseverance is laziness. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is neglect and hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is disbelief or resistance against the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is ungratefulness or a stiff-necked nature. The antonym of joy is sorrow or grief that dries the bones, and the antonym of the fear of the Lord is the fear of man. As in previous virtues of prayer, it is necessary for us to examine four classic questions. From what vessel flows the fear of the Lord, and with what virtues and criteria is the fear of the Lord endowed? What purpose is the fear of the Lord intended to fulfill in our relationship with God, with one another, and with the whole earth? And what price or what conditions are necessary to fulfill to be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep and multiply the fear of the Lord in our heart? And also, by what results should we test ourselves for the presence of the fear of the Lord in our heart? During our previous services, in a certain format, we studied the essence of the first two questions. We have stopped to study the third questions. Um, in a short commentaries, I will remind us, what is the essence of the fear of the Lord which resists the fear of man? We have noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two completely different sources that yield the program of eternal life that comes from God and the program of eternal death that comes from the fallen cherubim which contains his properties and his nature. We know that the first Adam, through disobedience toward God, transformed into the programmable device of the fallen angel and inherited this program which was opposite of the fear of the Lord, which was passed down to all of mankind and began to be known as the fear of man. In Scripture, the property or character contained in the fear of the Lord, just as the previous properties, is attributed to prayer as a commandment, as a command in a military order, not compliance of toward which will result in death that is expressed in the final destruction of a peaceful relationship with God. The fear of the Lord as the program that yields the life of God flows from the source of the wisdom of God and is the keeper of this wisdom. And as the program is able to abide and express itself, only a programmable device, which is the reborn heart of man, which becomes a mind of good understanding that abides in the commandments of the Lord. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalms 111.10 We have noted that the reason for many delusions and stagnations is precisely from what our understanding depends on. For example, if we make our understanding dependent on people, or the opinions of others, we will satisfy their stagnancy, their ignorance, and their religious ambitions. If we make our understanding dependent on the traditions of man, then for these traditions, we will violate the commandments of God. If we make our understanding dependent on logical thinking and the experience we have, we will also end up far from the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord and the subject of God's wisdom not only doesn't depend on our logical or rational thinking, but it also rules over it. Therefore, only one against the many authorities of man we make our understanding dependent on the revelations of Scripture, only then we can be filled with the fear of the Lord expressed in His marvelous and superior wisdom. We know fully well that on the earth in which we live, there exist many kinds of fears and even more kinds of phobias. The whole earth is pretty much filled with these fears and phobias. But these fears, they are not comparable to the unique and magnified kind of fear that comes from the depths of God and is passed down by the right through lineage. All of these fears the fear of God places a person into the most safest place which is called God as it is written there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love 1 John 4.18 obviously this is referring to the godly love agape it, as we know, is holy and is a selective love. God loves those who love Him and He hates those who hate Him. Therefore, if our worship is not made in the fear of the Lord that contains the twelve precious stones on the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And that is why any attempt to enter into the presence of God, to call upon God and serve God, without the presence of the fear of the Lord, it deeply offends God, does not count with God, and challenges God. The lack of the fear of the Lord in the heart of a person testifies that this person is bound to the fear of man. Therefore, Christians, believers who have accepted salvation but who have not been freed from the fear of man, they are going to march in, in a parade to hell. Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The word fear, wisdom, and commandment related to the nature of God are identical because they yield the moral virtues of God. Due to its identicalness, one word explains the other because they come from one another and identify the authenticity of each other. That is why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandments of the Lord, whereas true wisdom in the virtue of the commandments of the Lord is defined by the fear of the Lord that yields the legislature of God.
And so the third question, what price or what conditions must be fulfilled in order to be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer and abide in the fear of the Lord? In a third format, we have already studied three conditions that are necessary for the acceptance of the seed of the fear of the Lord. I will remind you that the limits of the fear of the Lord as the program of God are the limits of hearts that fear God, which is the programmable device for the fear of the Lord. The first condition to accepting the seed of the fear of the Lord in our heart is a necessity to clothe ourselves into the discipleship of Christ, which exalts a person into the virtue of a slave of the Lord. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Psalms 34. 11. The second condition to accepting the seed of the fear of the Lord in our heart is the necessity of having a pure heart that is cleansed from dead works. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The third condition necessary for the acceptance of the seed of the fear of the Lord in our heart is comprised of honoring the Word of God and behaving toward the Word of God expressed in the name of God and the legislation of God, just as God Himself behaves toward His Word. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your Word above all your name. Psalms 138.2 The fourth condition necessary for the acceptance of the seed of the fear of the Lord in our heart is comprised of the need to be a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch that grows out of the stem of Moses. Isaiah 11.1-3 There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. We must note right away that there is a big difference between accepting the seed of the fear of the Lord and the fruit that grows from the seed of the fear of the Lord, as well as abiding in the fruit of the fear of the Lord and being filled with the fear of the Lord. In Hebrew, to accept the seed of the fear of the Lord means to bring yourself at the disposal of hearing the truth of the word, to seize the truth heard as property, to capture yourself as a prisoner of the Lord's fear by proclaiming the truth, and abiding in the fear of the Lord means to besiege the fear of the Lord, plant yourself in the fear of the Lord, put yourself in the fear of the Lord, to be placed in the fear of the Lord, put your trust in the fear of the Lord, put yourself on the throne of the fear of the Lord, to direct your eyes to the fear of the Lord, and to place a mark of the fear of the Lord 
on the forehead. And to be filled with the fear of the Lord means to practice the truth of the fear of the Lord, to be sanctified by the fear of the Lord, to be strong through the fear of the Lord, to do the will of God through the fear of the Lord, to receive the revelation of truth through the fear of the Lord, to be led by the Holy Spirit through the fear of the Lord, to be successful in God through the fear of the Lord, to succeed in faith, hope, and love through the fear of the Lord, and to do justice and judgment through the fear of the Lord. Now that we have defined the relationship and difference between accepting the seed of the fear of the Lord, abiding in the fruit of the fear of the Lord, and being filled with the fear of the Lord, we will turn to look at how we can be a rod that stems from the root of Jesse. To be a rod from the root of Jesse means to be out of the house of Jesse or be born from the seed of Jesse. Jesse, as far as we know, is a son of Obed and grandson of Boaz and Ruth. He had eight sons, the youngest son of whom the youngest of whom was David. When scripture is referring to the rod of Jesse, it is referring to his eighth son who was called David, of whom Jesus said, I am the root and descendant of David. The name David means loved by God, which is referring to Christ, of whom God testified on the hill of transformation. He is saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. The name Jesse means Yahweh exists. We know that this prophecy is a parable that presents conditions necessary to fulfill to be filled with the fear of the Lord expressed in our existence existence from the stem of Jesse. A question arises. What conditions are necessary to fulfill to become a rod from the stem of Jesse and then a branch that grows from the stem of Jesse so that the Spirit of the Lord could be upon it? Or what specific truths of God that represent specific promises of God should we cooperate with to become the eighth son of Jesse? And in this manner, make for ourselves a heart that is able to be filled with the seed of the fear of the Lord. We note that the name Jesse means Yahweh exists, and the first condition necessary to fulfill to be filled with the fear of the Lord in this prophecy is being born from the seed of the word of the truth. Furthermore, we know that in scripture the number eight symbolizes a covenant because figuratively God established a covenant with man through circumcision of the foreskin of the flesh on the eighth day of his birth therefore the first condition to being filled with the fear of the Lord is in making a covenant of peace with God circumcision as a sign or a mark of the covenant on the body of a person is the figurative sign of the cross of Christ on the body of a person which testifies that the carrier of this sign died to his station his house Household and his corrupt desires. In the language of the New Testament, this means that a person, through the cross of the Lord Jesus, has died to sin so that he can live for God, or with the law, he died to the law so he could so that he could live for the one who died and resurrected, or rather, for Christ. We know that Jesse had eight sons and two daughters. However, the rod from the stem of Jesse became only his eighth son, whose name was David, of whom God said to Samuel, I have found a man after my own heart, the son of Jesse, who will fulfill all my will. We must find out what was the state of the heart of this young man who God paid attention to expressed in his favor or what actions of David made him among his brothers who were older than him a rod and branch from the stem of Jesse. 
Before him were seven brothers, but none of them had become a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch that grew out from the stem of Jesse. Two daughters, but only one. The very youngest, the eighth one. According to the prophecy we are studying, before the rod that comes from the stem of Jesse is filled with the fear of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. As it is written, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In Hebrew, the word rest upon him, spoken regarding the relationship of the Spirit of the Lord upon the rod and branch that came from the stem of Jesse, means will rest on him, be comforted in him, will calm down in him, will stop at him, will dwell on him, will give him rest, will comfort him, will make him free, will make him calm, will fill his spirit with wisdom and reason, will fill his spirit with counsel and strength, will fill his spirit with guidance and Piety. Question arises, what could God have seen in the rod, in this branch, in the image of David, the eighth son of Jesse, that made him stretch out his favor upon him in the face of his spirit? The answer to these questions we will try to find in the words of David himself, in which he testifies, first, why God stretched out his favor upon him, and second, what have... What has this favor given him expressed in the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him? Therefore, from this testimony, we will discover what conditions are necessary to fulfill to be the rod from the stem of Jesse so that the fear of the Lord could become our treasure. But David said to Saul, 1 Samuel 17, 34-37, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. And so, the first condition necessary to becoming the rod from the stem of Jesse and in this manner receive a guarantee that the fear of the Lord will become our treasure or to be filled with the fear of the Lord is to keep the sheep of our Father's house. This is very interesting that none of the other brothers, none of the older brothers tended to the sheep of their fathers. They tended to their own sheep. They had their own flock. David did not have his own flock. He tended the sheep of his father. I believe that we fully know that the sheep of Jesse, the father of David, are referring to the thoughts of God that are passed along to us through the messengers of God who are filled with the will of God. Therefore, to shepherd the thoughts of our Father is, through instruction and faith, to accept the image of the thoughts of God and abide in the thoughts of God to fulfill the will of God that is contained in His thoughts. The thoughts of God is the law of commandments contained in the mysterious images of the law of Moses and the revelations and proverbs of the prophets that are presented in the commanding teaching of Christ. And in their composition, the thoughts of God express the will of God in the redemption and adoption of our body from the law that discovers sin and gives power to sin, which gives birth to death. The thoughts of God also belong to the promises of God, which is the reward of eternal life for the fulfillment of His commandments.
To have the ability to accept the thoughts of God and the seed of the fear of the Lord through instruction and faith, we need two things. This is to have a conscience that is cleansed from dead works and to be renewed with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ. Without these two things, we will be unable to accept in our heart any sermon, any revelation. We will accept it into our mind, but in our heart it will not be it will not find its place because our heart must be cleansed from dead works. And we must what we hear we must allow it to be processed through a renewed mind because the human mind will never agree with that which it will be offered. It will always want to be a king and it will say, I have my own head and I have my own opinion and I myself understand what is written in scripture. I myself will control, inspect all those who speak. I will not be fooled. This is what our the mind of man will say. And in order to accept the thoughts of God, we need two things, a conscience that is cleansed from dead works and to be renewed with the spirit of our mind. And for this ability, it is necessary to not only be a disciple of Christ, but to also pay a price for discipleship expressed in death to one's own nation, household, and corrupt desires, and to take up the cross. Only after fulfilling these requirements will we have the opportunity and ability with the power of the Holy Spirit to penetrate the thoughts of the Father, to abide in them, live in them, and live for them. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have ex received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given, that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-16 The standard for the ability to penetrate the thoughts of the Heavenly Father with the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father is the true rod that came from the stem of Jesse in the face of of Christ. Truly, truly, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself does. He will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judged, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 5, 19, 20, and 30. The second condition necessary to become the rod from the stem of Jesse and in this manner receive a guarantee that the fear of the Lord has become our treasure is to stand watch over the thoughts of our Father. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. 
And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. Very interesting. When David had done this, he had come home and he usually had never counted this as some kind of uh, extraordinary. From this is ordinary. This was usual because there where you are not around um, civilized people, there were wolves and bears and lions, but this young man had such strength that he protected the sheep of his father that he had threw himself at lions and bears who had tried to take lambs away. And when he had caught up to it and the animal saw this, they left the animal living but if the beast did not want to give it away he says I took it by the beard and struck and killed it so we with the strength of his fist when striking it he killed the beast the lion or the bear what kind of strength did this young man have that he was able to do this and he didn't see this as extraordinary he never boasted of this I think that he would have if he would have come and said this at home I don't know what would have happened to his older brothers because they did not have this kind of power when they saw a bear or a lion they ran away they were not rods from the stem of Jesse but he was a rod from the stem of Jesse David was the image of a lion and bear attempting to steal and carry away the thought of the Heavenly Father from out of our heart is the image of our mind over which stand the seductive powers of darkness. This is not someone else. This is our human mind. Our human mind does not want to agree with the thoughts of the Father. He has his own mind, his own opinion. Scripture says, I took him by the beard and I struck and killed him. We must deny from the ability to judge things with our mind. This is the condition that is necessary. But this is not all. This is not only our human mind that is not renewed by the spirit of our mind or the mind of Christ. This is also the image of false prophets and false teachers who interpret scripture with their own mind and try to convince us that the promise of the inheritance of the promised land in the format of the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our body through the redemption and adoption of our body has no relation to us whatsoever. These lions and bears will never preach about this. They will consider this as a heresy. Therefore, to kill the lion and bear that try to carry away the thought of the Heavenly Father out of our heart is to destroy the strongholds of human reasoning through direct proofs and revelations from Scripture, which we, in our time, received through instruction and faith from the messenger whom God set over us. This is what Apostle Paul writes about this in, Revel in Galatians. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that and then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have been received, let him be accursed. Accursed means 
full, a sevenfold curse. It says, may that person who will come to you with a different gospel be accursed. As I have said, when I had asked one lawless person, why are you leaving? He looked at me and he said, we have a different gospel. We now think differently. We now understand the gospel differently. The third condition necessary to become the rod from the stem of Jesse, and in this manner receive a guarantee that the fear of the Lord has become our treasure, is to enter into a fatal battle with Goliath and turn all the Philistines into slavery. And God said to Saul, And this uncircumcised Philistine will be the same as with them, because he is defaming the army of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Goliath is an image of our old man, and the Philistine army is the weaponry of our old man expressed in the works of the flesh or dead works that are portrayed as good works. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So we know that six is the number of man. He had a bronze helmet. So as a person, he himself condemned himself uh, based on how he understood condemnation. And he was armed with a coat of mail. So this is the image of righteousness. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Do you see? He had received. He had also received this coat of mail through fivefold ministry. But this is not the fivefold ministry that is good. It is the Philistine fivefold ministry because the false church copies the true church, the true bride. It tries to take from it and copy from it. He had a bronze arm on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. 1 Samuel 17, 4-7 Only by fulfilling the above conditions do we become the rod that comes from the root of Jesse, and as a result of this, we receive the right to be filled with the fear of the Lord, in which we give God the basis to fulfill His will on planet Earth in the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our mortal body. Do you remember that when David had went out against Goliath, then David also used five ministry. He was in the same order. He had taken five stones, and with one of these stones, he had destroyed Goliath. It struck him, and although he had his uh, helmet, a bronze helmet, because this was not a godly helmet, because if this was a godly helmet of salvation, God, uh, Goliath. David would have not been able to strike Goliath. The fact that he was a Philistine, he was uncircumcised. Goliath was. And when a heart is uncircumcised, it takes all of that. It takes it takes things to itself and it attributes it to himself as if it would if as if it is godly. But the fact is that this person isn't circumcised. He has not died to his nation, his household, and to his corrupt desires. All right, the fifth condition for accepting the fear of the Lord in our heart, it is necessary to be an organized 
part of Zion. Isaiah 33, 5-6 The Lord is exalted, for He dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is His treasure. According to this prophecy, we know that the stability of times, strength of salvation, wisdom and knowledge yielded by the treasure of the fear of the Lord can occur only after God fills Zion with justice and righteousness. However, before all of this, for the fear of the Lord to become our treasure, it is necessary for us to become partakers of Zion or to become sons and daughters of Zion. And to become sons and daughters of Zion, it is necessary to know what characteristics does Zion have and what conditions are necessary to fulfill to become an organized part of Zion. All the while considering that the relationship of God with the redeemed man and the salvation of the redeemed man is made dependent on his organized partaking to Zion. And practically the fate of every single nation and of all peoples in general is dependent on both their relationship to Zion and their attitude toward Zion. In Scripture, there are more than 150 different places in which the definitions of Zion are presented, the establishment of Zion and the conditions that give God the right to power to be an organized part of Zion. In Hebrew, Zion means fames, famous, exalted by God, magnified by God, the mountain of God, an unshakable foundation fortress of truth and shakable stronghold, the high mountain on which God dwells, city of David, beautiful elevation, the joy of the whole earth, the fear of the whole earth, healing of the whole earth, justice of God, the house of God, God's city, God's rest, God's gladness, and the triumph of God. And this is not even the full list. Thus, in order for the fear of the Lord to become our treasure, we, as I have said, proceeding from this far from complete list of definitions and purposes of Zion, will try to determine how to become an organized partaker to the essence and purpose of Zion and what conditions give us the right to be an organized part of Zion. In the first place of scripture to which the Holy Spirit drew my attention to show how the fear of the Lord might be your treasure is an event in the life of the people of Israel when Zion for the first time became the foundation, the center and the focus of their faith, their statehood, their strengths and their future hope. 2 Samuel 5, 1-10 Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. 
Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. And so, the reign of David in Hebron at the age of 30 years is an image of our dedication in the rank and virtue of royal priesthood. Hebron is a place where the 12 tribes of Israel, in the person of their elders, came to David to conclude an alliance with him in which they recognized his authority and his authority over themselves. The city of Hebron is in the inheritance of Judah and has another name, it's Kiryath Arba. The name Hebron means a place of union and covenant, and the name Kiryat Arba means the city of four, or the city placed in a four square. Thus, the place where David was anointed with the king was anointed as a king over the 12 tribes of Israel is not only the place where David made an alliance with the elders of the 12 tribes of Israel, but also the place of the city which is located four square, in which figuratively, as we know, each of the four sides contains three pearly gates with three names of the sons of Israel, thereby strengthening the importance of the commanding doctrine of Christ, which in the 12 pearly gates opens the way to Zion in the dignity of the fruit of the tree of life. Pay attention. Only after David and Hebron had made a covenant with the elders of the twelve tribes of Israel, where he reigned seven years, he reigned over all of Israel, which gave him a reason and opportunity to go against the ancient Jerusalem, whose inhabitants at that time were the Jebusites. The ancestor of the Jebusites was one of the sons of Canaan, the grandson of Noah by the name Jabus, which was the name of so-called ancient Jerusalem or Zion, which the Jebusites considered their fortress and their capital. This is where Melchizedek had lived, the king of this city and the priest of the city. And this Melchizedek, as all ancient prophets write, was strong at that time, at that time when Abraham had come to him, he was over 400 years old. This city on a hill was chosen and destined by God to become the capital not only of the state of Israel, but also the capital of all the states taken together, since we will see later that it is from Zion that there will be a law through which God will condemn all nations and save Zion. Taking the fortress of Zion or Jabus, David called this fortress in this city by his name, that is, the city of David, in which later he will arrange the tabernacle of the Ark of the Lord and call it the Tabernacle of David, and after that will give his son Solomon a will and drawings to build on this place a temple named after the Lord. And so on our part, for the fear of the Lord to become our treasure, it is necessary for us to reign seven years in Hebron. This is the image of our reign over all our essence. Our reign in Hebron will allow us to make a covenant with the twelve elders of the tribes of Israel and reign over all of Israel. This is an image of our union with the twelve teachings of Christ. 
the 12 base teachings, which will allow us to go against the Jebusites living in the Zion of our body in the subject of our ambitious lusts, which we previously perceived as the will of God. We will be successful in conquering these Jebusites because this is their capital. Considering that the Jebusites were inhabitants of Zion, the image of the Jebusites in our body and the subject of our ambitious lusts, which we previously perceived as the will of God, are the dead deeds that we perceived for the works of God and the subject of ebullient religious activities. This is not a simple nation. No one could conquer them. This was a very strong nation. Take a look how long Israel has passed. Judges have passed. Saul came. No one even thought to go and to reign over the capital of Jebus because this was a strong army around this mountain upon which was the strength of this mountain Zion no one even dared to go there because this is referring to dead works dead works is evangelism dead works are prayers dead works are sermons this is referring to all these things that are made not in God when a person makes it a when a person does all of these things and he is not sent when he is chosen by people or he himself establishes himself he thinks that what he is doing is great he goes to different countries and with his carnal nature he tries to inspire people and he tries to do some kind of work there he calls these people to repentance and so forth you know I have after some who had repented I had met with him and if you remember we had one um, black man who came with his wife he was the pastor of 3,000 Pentecostal church 3,000 members and his father uh, his daughters told me that his father was the main sorcerer of that whole land and his daughters were prostitutes and they were dedicated the dedicated Satanists and they sang in choir and they were called to they had uh, they were Pentecostals they spoke in tongues but they were all Satanists at the same time they were all Satanists I was shocked and then this person had left to uh, charismatic churches. He came and he was with us for a little while, but then he went to charismatic churches because here he had to repent. He had to be. He had to truly accept Christ. He left there and he had died at some point somewhere. Him and his wife had lived poorly. He lived separately, his children separately, and he had died. And when he was found, then his body had already decayed inside the home. I don't know how the charismatic church then buried him, but they did somehow. What do I want to show you? These are dead works. We do things, but if God has not sent you, what are you able to do? You can't. People say, well, here I'm, you're showing me spiritual manifestations. You must be from the Lord. No, because even the even some of the Pharisees said, we have taught on your streets. We have done your works. He says, depart from me, all your workers of iniquity. I do not know you. Do you see here that those 
that people are not focused on the fruit. Who does God call His? Those who bring fruit. Those who bring fruit. They had no fruit. What did they have? They had these dead works. They think that these dead works, they are doing these things, and they are singing various songs that they are bringing fruits. I say, no, these are not fruits. I had denied singing certain songs with certain wording in it. I said, I don't want to sing this song because these words are incorrect. I was supposed to sing certain songs in choir that had incorrect words. I had had told them that the fruit is a changed character and they think otherwise. They don't even want to think or even understand. But I had left in certain songs uh, that had talked that had spoken and had illustrated fruit incorrectly, I would not sing these songs. And all the songs with which I did not accept that uh, resisted the spirit of truth, I said, I am not going to sing this song. The choir sings it. Several people from other churches come. They with the whole choir sing these songs incorrectly regarding fruit they sing to people not to God I said look ministry is service to God or worship to God and not a subject where we begin to praise other people and I always by the mercy of God people still spoke with me even though I did not speak to some even though I did not sing certain songs. Again, we are talking about how Jebusites are the image of dead deeds. Therefore, the, the image of the reign of David in Hebron must be viewed as the renewal of our mind with the mind of Christ or the image of the reign of the mind of Christ in the place of our intellect. So when he had reigned in Hebron for seven years. The image of the reign of David and Zion, now when he had taken Zion, and from there he reigned, it must be viewed as the image of the reign of Christ in our mortal body. Because Zion is an image of the body of Christ. It is not an image of our spirit, and not an image of our soul. It is an image of our body where God will dwell, his temple. For this this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought the pass to the the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. 1 Corinthians 15, 53-56. Take a look. This way the scripture is not talking about the rapture, but what will occur before the rapture. So before God will rapture his church, he will create the victory of redemption. If he has redeemed our spirit and our soul, and we now have a renewed mind, we have reigned in Hebron for seven years over all of our essence, then in order to make a union with the twelve teachings, so with all of the whole teaching, and to reign in Zion, to take the Zion because only when he had reigned in Israel he had was able to take Zion we cannot take these Jebusites Jebusites out of our body if we do not reign over all of Israel if we do not have understanding if we do not accept the teaching of Jesus Christ in the format of the 12 base teachings in ourselves therefore to summarize 
making the Zion of our body become the foundation, the center, and the focus of our faith, our statehood, our strength, and our future hope that the fear of the Lord might become our treasure is impossible if we are not taught meekness to bridle our body and in this manner reign in Hebron over our ambitious desires. And if we do not step into a covenant with the twelve elders of the sons of Israel and the virtue of the twelve teachings of Christ, if we have none of this, our path toward the treasure of the fear of the Lord will never be found by us. The next component in the establishment of Zion in our body so that the fear of the Lord becomes our treasure is building our sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. Psalm 78, 65-71 And the Lord awoke us from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine, and he beat back his enemies, he put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from the from following the ewes that had young he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance the image in which God figuratively woke from sleep like a man who shouts because of wine to beat back his enemies and put them to a perpetual reproach points to the fact that before Zion and the virtue of our body becomes a sanctuary of God forever and is built like the heights and like the heaven which he has established forever, our body will be held captive by our enemies. And as paradox as this may sound, the enemies of our body are presented in this place of scripture as a tent of Joseph in the tribe of Ephraim, which God rejected so that in their place he can choose a tribe of Judah in the virtue of the mountain of Zion. And after that he chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfold of houses and led him to feed his people, Jacob's and his heritage, Israel. The question arises, what position in our body was occupied by the tent of Joseph in the tribe of Ephraim? For what reason did God reject the tent of Joseph in the tribe of Ephraim? Who is the tribe of Judah and David in our body who came to replace the tent of Joseph in the tribe of Ephraim? The fact is that the former tabernacle personifying the law of Moses who revealed sin and gave power to sin was in Shiloh who by lot belonged to the tribe of Ephraim, the son of Joseph. Therefore, until the first tabernacle carrying the condemnation of our body is abolished, the Zion of our body will be in reproach and disgrace. However, the purpose of God was to redeem our nation from sin and death and to lead Christ into the Zion of our body. Therefore, the state of God to the Zion of our body is presented as a state of a giant in the state of sleep and intoxication with wine. The image of such a sleep in the, is the death of Christ, and the awakening from this dream is the resurrection of Christ through which God rejects the former tabernacle personifying the mystery of condemnation and affirms the new tabernacle personifying the ministry of justification. Because the law brings about wrath. Romans 4:15-25 For where there is no law, there is no transgression. We are talking about why God had rejected the tent of Joseph. Because in Shiloh, 
where the tribe of Ephraim came. This was the son of Joseph. There was a there was a tabernacle of Moses. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of whom he believed, God, who gives life to the death and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. That was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And so, until we come out of infancy, the path to the abolition of the first tabernacle will not be possible. In a state of infancy, our mind has not yet been renewed by the spirit of our mind, and our conscience has not yet been cleansed from dead deeds, which we perceive for the works of God while we are in the state of infancy. Therefore, all our confessions in the state of infancy related to the ministry of justification are simply slogans for which there is no real faith of the heart, because in a state of infancy it is impossible to bear the fruit of truth. David, chosen and appointed by God at the head of the Zion of our body, is our thinking, renewed in the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. However, in order to see and comprehend the process more clearly regarding the abolition of the law of sin and death and the Zion of our body by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we turn to another revelation. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service in the earthly sanctuary, for a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was a lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna. Aaron's rod that budded in the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings, and fresh ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling 
unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? For this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant, by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Hebrews 9, 1-15 Summing up, the purpose of Zion in our body in the image of building a sanctuary on the heights in the affirmation of our body as the earth is affirmed is so that the fear of the Lord could become our treasure. We note that if we do not cooperate with the commanding teaching of Christ, which defines the mystery of justification and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, which unveils the essence contained in the ministry of justification, the Zion of our body will remain under the law of the former tabernacle. The next component in the purpose of the Zion of our body so that the fear of the Lord could become our treasure is to make the Zion of our body the joy of all the earth and to marvel and fear for those that have gathered against it. Psalms 48, 2-7 Beautiful and elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold of them there, and pain, as of a woman in birth pangs, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. There are a number of questions. What will the joy of the whole earth be like in the face of Zion, our body? What criteria defines city of the great king located on the north side of Mount Zion? Who is the union of the kings who first passed the Zion of our body and then saw Zion of our body, marveled, feared, and turned to flight? And also, what court is represented in the destruction of the Tarshish ships, representing the union of the kings opposing our organized involvement to the body of Christ? And so the first question, what will be the joy of the whole earth in the face of the Zion of our body? It should be understood that this prophecy is an allegory, and therefore, in the literal sense of the word, the whole earth, or rather all the inhabitants of the earth, under the head of the Prince of Darkness, will never rejoice in the triumph of Zion or in the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our body. And therefore, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree of life. The whole earth that will rejoice in the heights of the Mount Zion we must view as people who are called to salvation of all the nations. It is when our body will be clothed into immortality. This is when the light of Christ will become so visible far off that John did not have to run everywhere. Although there were no phones or television, still tens of thousands of people came to John to Jordan to be baptized. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. Not you will come to him, but he, they will come to you. Not they will come to people, but people will come to you. Let us read another place of scripture that these people will be healed through the Zion of our body. Revelation 22, 2-7. In the middle of its street on Zion, or Jerusalem, and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. 
We know fully well that in heaven there will be no ill people. In this event, this parable tells us what will occur on earth when saints who have an organized partaking to Zion will become the tree of life. And there shall be no more curse. This is referring to Zion. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Can you imagine what will occur with the body of a person when nothing will be cursed, but there, instead of the law of sin and death, will be the throne of God and of the Lamb? when we open the door when he knocks and he will feast there he will establish his throne there shall be no night there they need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever so after this these people in whose body the resurrection of Christ will reign they will never perish and he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So, if then God had... God had, Christ had given us a sign when this will occur and today we see we see that revelation that we have it is living and so the second question by what criteria what criteria defines the city of the great king located on the north side of Mount Zion the city of the great king located on the northern side of the Zion of our body is our organized partaking to the body of Christ in the person of the bride of the lamb which is determined by God's chosen remnant from all peoples tribes and in languages. This is the city of the great king on the northern side of our Zion. This is our organized partaking to Zion, to the body of Christ. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth." Take a look. The 24 elders and the four living creatures, this is an image of the bride of the Lamb. And this is the northern side. Considering the image of the northern side in the scriptures is an image of the divine court and retribution or the image of the throne of the court or the throne of judgment, you will always see that the judgment comes from north. Then the criteria that determine the location of the city of the great king on the northern side of the Zion of our body is our right for the authority to practice the judgment of God. This was the authority 
or this is what enticed the cherubim that had fallen. Isaiah 14, 9-15 Hell from beneath you is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, and the sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you, and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground, you weakened, you who weakened the nations? We have said in your heart, I will send it to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. We will never have the throne of God if we do not have an organized partaking to the bride of the Lamb to Zion where the throne of God will be it is that northern side of the city of David in our heart the third question who is the union of the kings who first passed by Zion of our body and then saw Zion of our body marveled, feared and then turned to flight the union of kings is the image of religious alliances and associations in the person of Babylon, the great harlot who opposes our organized partaking to the body of Christ. And another angel following said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patient of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You see, we always want that the Antichrist that will rise up are certain political structures, certain kind of electric um, electric code, a chip that will be embedded in us. But in fact, all of this will occur in the church. Here, Scripture writes about, not will occur with the world, but with the world of the believers. Very many Christians will accept the mark of the beast as the mark of God. They will accept it on their foreheads, their thinking. The thinking of saints, when their mind is renewed, then this means that a person has the mark of the living God. If it is not renewed, if a person has not renewed his mind, then he will have the mark of the beast upon his forehead. And therefore, with his mind, he will begin to speak certain things and believe in such absurdity. And in doing so, he will think that this is the will of God to be successful, to be prosperous, and that we need to cast out um, the spirit of poverty. And all right, moving on, the fourth question. What court is represented in the destruction of the Tarshish ships, representing the unit of the kings opposing our organized involvement to the body of Christ? Do you know that at one time the world economic system depended on the export produced by the Tarshish ships, which figuratively in scripture resist the economic system of Zion? It is the Tarshish ships that were that many countries used for exportation, and this was the main artery of the 
economic system. Considering that under the east wind the image of the eternal court is seen, the crushing of the Tarshish ships by the east wind is the crushing of the economic system of the false bride in the person of Babylon. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So this is that which we had just read about this Babylon. And its economic system is presented in the Tarshish ships that will be broken by the east wind. So when Zion will begin to shine when the resurrection of Christ will begin to triumph in the body of certain chosen remnants they will practice judgment and the words that they speak in addressed to those organizations to those religious organizations all of all these dead against all these dead works all of these works will immediately create action if they curse these organizations those who curse the chosen remnants of God their Tarshish ships their economic system will be destroyed all that God does he does through man therefore these eastern winds will not blow themselves they will be contained in people and they will act through people. To sum up this purpose of the fear of the Lord and the Zion of our body, which will be the joy for the whole earth, to make the fear of the Lord our treasure, we know that if we do not cooperate with the commanding teaching of Christ that defines pure joy in the justification of our body and with the revelation of the Holy Spirit who unveils the path contained in pure joy, the Zion of our body will be reigned by Babylon or the false bride of the Lamb. You will find many places of Scripture and I have heard heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of Babylon. So it turns out that in Babylon there will be many saints who, when they hear this sound, when they hear this voice, this sermon, they will leave these organizations and they will go to Zion, to the true Zion. And now let us bow our knees for whom it is possible, their heads, and that may the Lord bless us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow down before your face with your nation in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. I thank you that you have made this place a part of Zion. I know that you in every place have your Zion that today exists and time is coming when you as a giant who has broken from sleep or slumber will just reject the tents of Joseph the first tabernacle to establish a new tabernacle in which you will live or dwell eternally. In this tabernacle you had initially outlined the body of a person. You will not be calmed until you reign in the bodies of God's chosen remnants. And when you begin to unveil these revelations to your people, to your nation, they accept it with their heart. Your spirit begins to rejoice and to fall upon them.
to rest upon them so that your fear and the virtue of your legislation could come from their hearts so that in their bodies the law, the throne, could be established, the throne of your judgments. So that the first tabernacle that discovers sin and gives power to sin could be abolished out of the body of a holy person. This was your purpose. This was your main purpose. Before you had made the visible world, you had this particular purpose. To make out of the earth a man who would be your Zion, your temple, in whom you will dwell, where you will establish your legislation. And we thank you that today we have been made a part of this great Zion. And even though our Zion is still in the slavery of decay, in slavery of illness, slavery of poverty, we still thank you that you have redeemed us from slavery to sin. And we await when you, with your voice, will say, it is enough. When what we proclaim today as existent in seeing this in the invisible, you will make it existent in our bodies. And you have given us, you've allowed us to give birth to this promise. You will allow us to give birth to it and to give birth to it without birth pangs. You have said, do not be in birth pangs. Bear, and I thank you that when this occurs, this will occur in joy. This will be made where finally on this earth you will demonstrate what your son came for, what he has done, because today, despite many know the name of your son, but by this, with this name, they call their idols. With this name, they call their own mind. By this name, they call their own organizations. But you will place an end to this at one point, so that all of this could be destroyed. And therefore, I thank you along with your people for your great promises, and I bow down before you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we may proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.